say it's 40 people. To 200. Wow. Someone's getting fired in their next performance cycle. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It's me. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Quick, fudge the books. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Cloud Unplugged. I'm John Shanks. And I'm Jake Shaw. Cool, and we are going to be talking about basically platform team sizes. So how big should platform teams get? And why they are so big, right? And we've seen a bunch of like anti-patterns, I guess, in the industry where platform teams that are supposed to be lean, small teams delivering value as platform engineers ends up being 100, 200 person organization just in itself trying to do something on behalf of developers so what causes that why does it happen mm. what little subsections of that platform org do they have and why yeah do you know why yeah no oh, i'm right. gonna make it up <laughs> yeah because i think we keep seeing every time to time i mean it's not not in loads of places but there'll be no. like here places where the team has just gone exponentially large exactly and there'll be a huge amount of engineering and different roles and different responsibilities going on all inside of it all, which maybe isn't particularly cost effective and also not the most optimal way to operate mm, or cloud delivery or developer self-service delivery. I think overall there's probably like a few different, even like, you know, headings as to why those teams end up being so big right so you can almost categorize like the situation that that organization is in so like the first situation might be that they run some ridiculous scale of a service where they need that level of complexity so let's say you know someone like netflix or spotify or a trading system where every little change that they make to say even really, really naughty things like changing an instance type might have huge impact, right? So you might have, in, in those certain scenarios, you might have teams that are aligned to, say, compute or teams that are aligned to networking or things that could be optimized and really kind of made a discipline in its own right. And that's one one kind of side of the spectrum, like those ridiculous engineering organizations that are just have so much scale where every single little change that they make has such a huge impact and then the other sorry ridiculous in the sense of the scale is ridiculous the scale is kind of ridiculous ridiculous amounts of choice with all that music and so, uh, video so just you're saying you're saying that sometimes businesses will like split on say some technology element or like like networking which is more of a principle so it'd be like networking people and segments of yeah exactly engineering. i think when you're doing something so insanely well you can then almost make it its own practice i'm gonna go really ethereal here for a second but just bear with me right before like maths science, you know, physics, like biology, all of these things existed. They were theories, like, you know, it will be a philosophy. It, everything starts off as philosophy. And then once you kind of learn it a little bit more, once you get into the art of it, once you, you know, start 
putting some guidance and rules around how that thing exists and why it exists, then you group that activity and you name it and you call it a subject. So like maths, now it's a thing. It's not philosophy anymore, it's, a, it's maths. And then even further, you might have all of these different incarnations of the wider subject. And I think that the same sort of thing is happening in these massive organisations where you've got these these really complicated disciplines that have niched down so much that the thing that they're doing can just be called that mm. compute or networking or whatever because the things that they do are really low level right that is that true that yeah is- that is true yeah but for like those companies that have scale the scale the technology scale because there's technology that's designed for scale which networking is obviously because it's everywhere and you can actually scale networking reasonably easily can you that's i would say that's one of the hardest things to scale with low latency and you know like with but it's it's designed for that huge hugely impactful right so amazon as an example of course they will have a team that is there just looking after all of the different components of each product, probably even the networking of, of, of those layers. Yeah, so there'll be like edge cases where even, I guess there's a lot of protocols that exist mm-hmm. that are kind of done, yeah. you know, where they're not, unless you're writing your own protocol or something because the ones that you have are inefficient. That's one scenario. Yeah. But the rest of the stuff is an infrastructure itself, is in hardware that's offering the capability of managing that scale, not necessarily people. So I guess way, it depends where you put in the engineering effort. If you put in the engineering effort in manufacturing something that can cope with your unique circumstances, which is kind of what Amazon's done, mm-hmm. got their own, even manufacture some of their own chips and all yeah. sorts, right? So that's a very extreme set of circumstances. Yeah, of that's course. got into hardware then and, yeah. and actual engineering from a... And software. Yeah, yeah and software. Yeah, but, crazy. Are we, but we're not talking about those. We're talking about platform engineering teams yeah. that have ended up lots of people. But you're Pla- saying that you end up... Platform just- engineering teams that have had to niche in so much so to create competitive advantage. Well, what they think maybe is competitive advantage. And there's probably something in that, right? So I'm sure everyone under the sun to, to a certain degree is like oh my organization's unique yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and so they're like thinking oh okay yeah i want to have a competitive advantage in this like really commoditized thing load balances or whatever it is and most of the case that's not needed i'd say but you don't know every single business type so i'm saying in those certain scenarios where they know they can prove with data that those things are absolutely a competitive advantage or, you know, the investment massively outweighs the benefit that they get yeah. from those things, then, yeah, of course, it makes sense to segment that down in that way. But segment what? Sorry, I'm still... The, the organisation, the people that they have within the platform organisation, let's say. So, because platform, and en- platform engineering... What you're talking about is saying that if there's something really specific that that business needs to achieve that requires unique engineering mm-hmm. at that stage, then it might be justified because the engineering isn't isn't general purpose at that point, as in the requirement is so unique yeah. that it justifies needing to engineer. Yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but in this instance, but some of that even still, like to end up with such high teams 
that's a lot of unique things that you must have going on to have such a large team where you are engineering so much uniqueness that you need so many people, <laughs> if you see what I mean. Because otherwise, some of it's got to be general purpose, as in the requirements can't be that bespoke for those organisations that are, unless it is, I don't know, that's what I'm asking. But I, I've known examples where definitely there was off-the-shelf things yeah. that would have definitely met those requirements, but they've engineered their own, like engineered oh, yeah. their own I mean, service meshes even, everyone, even though there's lots so, of yeah. service meshes out yeah. there and they've yeah, created yeah. their own. Yeah. And the requirements weren't unique yeah. to justify creating their own. I think that's like the standard of tech is something doesn't fit like something one thing what the smallest thing thing. the smallest thing like oh it doesn't have the right image in this place (laughs) it's like you know massive investment because engineers want to play with new shiny things or build something yeah it's like if you're a hammer you know everything looks like a nail right so so when you're an engineer it implies that you're building things engineering things that's what you're always going to do yeah they get people Um, enjoy engineering yeah so find a reason to engineer. exactly exactly but then, well, we're, we're, we're saying that there is valid in these certain scenarios there is valid reason that they can prove in these organizations that mean that the engineering that they have is aligned to actual business value so that was like you know at the 100 200 person team and if you scale it back down to the sort of level that we were talking about, which is the sort of six to 12 person platform engineering teams, because that's the norm, right? There's a small kind of agile team on one end of the scale that's doing something probably even smaller, maybe like one or two people in a platform engineering function, all the way to say 100, 200 people in a massive business unit called platform something or other. Yeah. I think principally what you're saying is when it's unique, it's fine. If the business makes money out of you making those things unique unique, because it's part of the business model, as in like you've got to engineer that stuff because it makes money to do that, then it kind of makes sense because it's part of the business. But if it's more like facilitation on driving an outcome and some of the outcomes just commodity anyway, Mm -hmm. like getting access to something or monitoring, logging, all the general things that you know is part of the software development lifecycle. There's a bunch of software development lifecycle things that just exist Mm -hmm. and they're general. You know, you can generalize pretty much most of it and then there might be unique things that somebody might need. But rather than, there's no need to probably, because if you think about how many software businesses there are, to just to assume that you need to re-engineer each time for every single company. Oh no, you're supposed to build your house every single can't time from scratch. True. You can't just buy bricks and yeah. you can't just buy Lego. Of course no. you need to build it. <laughs> it can't possibly be right when you've got insane numbers of people. There's something wrong yeah. when you've got people doing things that really are just part of SDLC things that should... There's bound to be better ways and better patterns is what, is what yeah. this is about, isn't it? There's a cost of almost doing nothing, which is you carrying on with the size and team that you have. And a lot of people almost don't think about that, right? Like they think it's there's a decision they have to take to grow or shrink. But actually they are making a decision to stay as they are, which is a huge cost to the business. Mm. And that in itself is like, it's it's up there, like as a decision that's sort of being made. But people don't, necessarily always clock that that's happening i'd say but anyway back to your point which was 
are there better ways of doing things? There's got to be. Yeah. Right? What are those But better ways? Like, what advice would you give if you were kind of creating, if you were brand new, you've, you've got a new company that's got, say, I don't know, 100 software developers, write it, you know, split into lots of teams, and you are then trying to standardize some of those functions so that those developers can effectively ship applications securely. What was the first thing that you would do as a sort of platform team or even creating that platform? Um, set a budget. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Probably is the first thing I would do because that will keep me honest on yeah. like how much spend we want to commit to the team in relation to what the business revenue is we're expecting. So Because it will have tra- a trade-off, right? Like you, you can't just say, yes, this has infinite value. Therefore, my budget is just infinite. all of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So you have to be a percentage of... The revenue obviously yeah. could be an opex cost yeah, yeah. right so you'd have to work out what the budget of that opex is and then set expectations about what you're working with mm-hmm. so that would be something i would probably want to do first because then i can work with what the boundaries are then i know and how have you like the budget is it just like a, a one-off budget is it an operational budget like how would you think about that so excluding cloud spend probably yeah. which is obviously too that's more project driven as in that's consumption based mm-hmm. so i'm just thinking about the team first because that's what we're saying as in like we've said the team size is an issue so i need to know what i'm confined by operationally so taking away the kind of operational costs for cloud which is going to yin and yang and there's efficiencies you could do that that's a whole different conversation but if i'm not part of that then obviously the team's opex and i'd have to work out then what the team what the demand for the team is mm-hmm. and what the expectations of that team are and then what the cost is of that team that I'm allowed to then work out what I'd even do. I mean, I don't know how much it would necessarily change because I'd never be the type of person to want to just go and hire loads of people just for the sake of it anyway. So, but I guess it helps you confine. Who's the, who's the first type of person you're hiring? Like what's a, if you're, if you're starting from scratch, what skill set would you look for first? Because you don't really even know it depends. Is this, a, is this properly is, what the problem depends is? where the company is, I suppose, and the type of business. Yeah, really, it's a hard one right. to answer without knowing more specifics. Obviously, without like looking at the business, because it might be that you can, you might want an executor, as in like someone that can just get going with something quickly. With what skill set though? Because an executor could be engineering. It could as be it, like research. All... It could be you know UX or you know. DX, as it's commonly called, called now, developer. Well, experience. not. I wouldn't go too grandiose. So I think it depends what the. I'm presuming there needs to be some outcome of something somewhere for somebody, unless we're all yes. just theorizing yes. and researching. Someone needs an outcome. Well, because it's engineering that's going to be happening in the business, right? Yeah. So, like me going and getting a researcher isn't necessarily going to help the engineers deliver. Mm. So I probably would not opt for things that aren't going to directly bring value yeah, to people. Right. So if if that isn't the case and we're starting from scratch and there's no devs, mm-hmm. then that's a totally different perspective altogether, obviously, because the engineering functions may be really early, in which case you might have to do very much anyway because it's all alpha-y. So you obviously don't want to spend loads of time and money on something that needs to, that's more R&D for the business. So I'm assuming there really is... Really, though? Because you want a safe space for But it doesn't engineers. need to be too safe at the point of R&D. I guess... Why not? Because it's not got any customers or users so monetizing it's still got data potentially not if you're not using it 
well depends what it is that you're doing like if you're if you're there and you know it's r&d but you're taking in loads lots of data from lots of different places that's what i'm saying because that's the yeah it depends depends on the situation there's no impo it's yeah. like impossible to ask answer yeah, yeah. the question okay without the context of the business because yeah. obviously there isn't a one size fits all with anything but i'm going to make some assumptions that if you're into platform engineering you, there's some element of need already mm. in the business so i'm just going to make an assumption that you've got something that is already being shipped and you can justify investment on supporting those things in the business. And that there's an element of pressure for you to deliver in relation to the demand of the business. So the demand's there, and now you need to optimize how you're gonna facilitate it. One option is, I'm just gonna go into market, go to recruiter and get five engineers in the team. Um, come up with five? Just like arbitrary number. Arbitrary. Okay, cool. That is an option that I can just hire. So say I can work out Maybe it's like tickets or something or yeah. people like, however I'm managing the requests coming in. Or maybe it's because there's five brand new projects mm. and therefore there's five engineers because it's one per project and I've ratioed like a one DevOps per project or something. Mm -hmm. So it's not based on any science <laughs> specifically is what I'm saying. So that is a route. Yeah. Or you can look at common patterns, standardizations, like what you want to enable developers to work with. Mm -hmm and then actually creating consistency, which is what platform engineering is, then I'd probably want to work out first the commonality between everything, standardize all the commonality as quickly as I could so it's more commodity and fast, and probably look at what's on the market or what's out there. And let's say you have built this thing now, right? You've built a platform because you've hired some engineers, and now you're, you've got, I don't know, let's say you've got 100 software developers that you're supporting, and that's maybe split up into 12 to 15 teams, you know, the average sort of team size being five to eight or whatever. Some of those workloads might need 24-7 support and you've only got five people to do that. Do you think that is enough? Like, would you need more if you if you were like, oh, well, it know, depends now. what this platform is. So, so if the platform's bought, if the platform, I might have 24-7 support for the platform. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Like, commodity. No, sorry, you've built something. You have oh, right, built, built something. something. With these five engineers, you have actually built something. That's so I've built a platform. Because what we're talking about really is why these teams or companies end up with 100 people, you know, 150 people or whatever in the platform, like, area within their business and of course you wouldn't ever end up in that area if you've bit if you've bought something right, so right? that's crazy what i would do <laughs> yeah yeah it's literally you if didn't you've really want to know what i would do what you wanted to know is what wouldn't i have done <laughs> because that's the situation they're in rather than asking me like it's, so what would you do yeah, exactly. to avoid well, that situation trying to get you it's the reverse it's, it's, it's the, the reverse inverse of what probably should happen what you're saying is what probably won't happen is what you're saying yeah kind of i'm yeah, saying avoiding... let's let's work backwards to figure out how they've gotten to where they are and the situation that they might have been in um, so our assumptions then are they probably don't have a budget because you wouldn't justify that amount of people they're building loads of things yeah, all, all um, yeah. they're throwing resources at the problem all the time yeah they're like probably engineering bespoke solutions that are probably already engineered in the community bespoke bespoke yes yeah. 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 c spokes bees bees, bees. lots of bees <laughs> on spokes <laughs> so loads of like custom engineering happening across the business in mm -hmm. pockets and then 
the supportability is then what you're saying. The more custom engineering you do, the more support you're going to end up creating for yourself, right? Because there's a cost of ownership yeah. at that point. Like right. you own Take that. Yeah, you Once own you this build engineering. It, it's, it's yours. Yeah, it's exactly. not somebody else's. Exactly. It's your business that owned it because you engineered it. Yeah. So you can't outsource that. And tech debt is a risk. Yeah, so you want to risk. So you want to what support it, and then you probably want to yeah, because if it goes sure down, you're, exactly, it's business affecting, right? So yeah. if people are depending on it, then you've now got to invest in it because people depend on it to be efficient and effective because you've engineered something that everyone's aligned to. Yeah, exactly. So. And also, like maybe politically as well, you probably don't ever because you are now this central. You know, behemoth of a of a thing that other teams rely on to get anything out, right? Mm. So you don't ever want to be an excuse for them not getting something out, right? So you're probably going to over egg your need. It's like, oh, I don't ever want to be a reason. I don't want to be a reason for team A over there saying that they can't ship because some functionality hasn't been built, or you know, the applicate the support the platform is down, or or whatever mm. else. So you're like, oh yeah, just give me another eight people. And we'll do. They'll do the monitoring of the platform. Oh, so what would you look for like? then? So, if you were to go in a business to identify, I guess a lack of optimization in a company. So mm. say, to say you were looking for, you had to like go through go through a company to to see how it's organised. Yeah. What would be the things you'd be looking for in terms of organization structure for the platform engineering to kind of see where you could optimize, where you'd be like make efficiencies. Yeah, yeah. you're like thinking about what? how do I make this how do I make this platform team yeah. more efficient? So one to even know whether there's an opportunity to make it efficient is to understand how much it costs, right? And you could do that probably even from looking at the sort of external if the company is is trading is making money or whatever you could probably look at the financial books and just be like oh i know this isn't of... you've been brought in say oh, okay great so, but, so, but that's still so, that's still a thing right so yeah let, let mean, me look at the a... operational cost of yeah, a company right. and like to get a level deeper that might be a ratio of people that are actually delivering business value so the developers people that are working on the thing that they're actually selling or making money on or whatever versus the number of people that have to just support that thing right mm -hmm. if that is like a crazy ratio then there's an opportunity there and what would a crazy ratio be i think anything where it's like under 20 which like speaking to a lot of people seems quite high but as a ratio to how many so what so like percentage? say say you got 200 devs what would be the percentage so even five percent i think is too high right so right. i think even if you've got the 10 people to that 200 right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's even think that's quite high i think 10 people to 200 is way too high i think that there is i mean this is maybe a bit of a controversial opinion but all of these things are commoditized and you shouldn't need 10 people to like develop and deliver services um, there so are things out there that you could just get say it's 40 people to, to 200. 200 well Someone's getting fired in their next performance cycle. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Oh <laughs> Quick, fudge the books. <laughs> Make that forty, <laughs> just a four. Can we knock yeah. some zeros yeah, off exactly. this just for Jay? Just <laughs> come over to my team. <laughs> just only have four people in the office just when four. you walk in. Yeah, exactly. Just four. Yeah. Um, the other sixteen are like hidden away <laughs> in the toilet somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, say it's 40 
and there's obviously 200 developers. That's crazy. And you've got isn't 40. It? Doesn't it feel like that seems ridiculous? Yeah, um, it is quite high. Yeah. So, what questions would you be either in your own head or to the person yeah. asking to like why it would be 40? I guess you wanted to know what the. Yeah, so I would think of that as a. Like one, obviously understand the cost. That's the the main thing. But then try and figure out what what the value that they are delivering. So if there's 40 people, presumably they are engineering things. So if they're engineering the standard like metrics come in, right? So let's say when you make a change to the platform, how long does that change? Does it take you to get that change from your machine to in production so the developers can use it? when the actual metrics for a developer as well like let's say a developer is like trying to use a new cloud service or something like that from the time that they have asked for that resource to them actually getting it like what's that time so but let's assume how useful 40 people it's really good yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot of people to engineer yeah. efficient like to be effective for the developers let's say that it's amazing they're it's being the best. really effective yeah. yeah because they've got the engineering capacity yeah, to yeah. do a really good job yeah would you still want to optimize it kind of depends on where the company is to a certain degree so let's say if they're at the kind of exploratory stage and they haven't quite figured out you know, where they're making money and delivering business value, then it just seems ridiculously high. You mm. probably wouldn't want to do that, right? So straight away, you'd be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. If you're kind of a different stage, so you're kind of expanding and you're building new functions, you're building new teams, you're getting into bigger sort of markets and, and things like that, then because you're growing, you're almost like you're growing before you've had the demand. Mm. So in that case, it might make sense. Maybe they're, they're growing to, say, 40 people. They've got 200 devs now, but that's going to go up to, you know, 800 devs, and then the ratio is there. What about if they're, like, global? Oh, yeah, exactly, right? So that like, changes things, though, or not? So. Potentially, because they might need to have, like, 24-7, not on-call support, but, like, at your desk, you're just working 24-7, and then, auto, like, straight away, that is, like, pretty much divided by three right mm. or, or how, however many shift patterns you're running so things like that so that's the kind of expand scenario that that company would be in but then if you're in the keeping the lights on or the extract kind of phase of that company where you're you're just like trying to extract as much value out of the way that that company is currently operating and you're not making any big changes so you've got 200 developers you've got 40 people just operating the platform, then you'd probably be like, no, that, that, that doesn't seem right. I can definitely do this more efficiently because all I'm doing is keeping the lights on. You don't, you can't need 40 people to keep the lights on, like, no matter what you're doing. It just seems ridiculous. Yeah, that is very, very high. Yeah. I guess it depends though on, you know, what's there, but 40 is just a bit ludicrously. Why have you hired these 40 people, John? Like, you've hired them. Tell me. Just what are they doing? I said I was what, what are they doing? said I had a really big budget. So I was like, <laughs> spend some of this money. Spend it all. Yeah, just spend, spend it all. Some of this money. I mean, it makes sense now. That's yeah, feels like the John spend, attitude. Yeah, Let's just spend, spend it. all this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but I guess out of those 40, you, you mentioned, like, support. So you're going to need people on call, presumably, mm. for things. You're going to have to work out what the platform is, work out what components there are there. So say, 
because I guess there's trying to work out how much you've offset operational risk to obviously services or how much you've brought in house. Mm -hmm. So I suppose it's that. So if you've brought everything in house, you've got like a Kafka team and a, you know, like a Mongo the value that team you're delivering and like, to the business. Yeah, mean, and, you know, yeah, yeah, and you've yeah. got teams operating yeah. and running, mm. like you know, you know, these specialist technologies back yeah. to the business. You've got yeah. all these cloud services that do very similar thing. Like you're almost competing with the cloud vendors internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's trying to work out what you're looking for on how they've organized themselves and what the scope of the platform. Yeah. yeah. What problems you've ended up trying to solve yeah. in that platform team yeah. and then the structure of it. And then if there's an on call for those teams, then obviously you could kind of end up seeing like, yeah, okay, I can Huge see scale. why you've got to 40 now because you've basically duplicated effort for what might have been a cloud service or you could have removed operational risk and cost from the business to something that is like, that's what you're paying for. Yeah. Could though end up more expensive? Who knows? But I guess in, in those scenarios, like once you've built something, you know, ju just like anything, you, you you kind of explore and then you figure out that that's the thing, that's the solution that you need to go down, right? Like I need to build my own cloud service or I need to build my own sort of database as a service internally because nothing quite supports the requirements that I have. What I have a problem with is that that activity is only done once it's a it's a huge cost to the business and generally that activity is only done once what do you mean so as in it's done at the like, time of the requirements it's, it's done at the time of the requirements and it's not done as an ongoing thing like to look at the kind of wider ecosystem because there's so much innovation that's happening it's happening everywhere and these companies that have a lot of money whose job it is to innovate and sell those innovations mm. at a usage model on a usage model or whatever like the cloud vendors so when those requirements are like first understood and then the solution that they've made up is oh i'm gonna go off and create my own service great fine do it you know if you if you really have to do it you might also like maybe put in a feature request or ask someone else that has a, a, a reason to do it because it, maybe they didn't have the idea. Anyway, so you, you go off and build it and then let's say it's like a year, two years later, you have this team of say 10 people that are d doing this database as a service or whatever it is. But then now there's like, I don't know, four other companies that are doing that as their main business objective, that their thing that they do is build database as a service for other companies to consume. And it's a really like efficient cost saving mm -hmm. thing to, to then adopt. You don't necessarily always compare those things, right? Because now there's going to be like job protectionism and all of it. Like you're, you're, gonna, you're probably going to be like, yeah, but they don't have that. They don't have that one feature that we we developed six months ago because they're on a journey themselves but you've got this massive cost that's now like you've just got it on your books forever until you do something something about that thing and i think that that happens in these organizations more often than not yeah which is what leads to the big teams which which is what leads to the yeah. big teams exactly so it might be no that they Maybe there wasn't that managed service at the time. Yeah, exactly. By the cloud vendor. Yeah. So then they kind of had to roll their own. Yeah, exactly. And then what then they're not reevaluating and the cost of change. I suppose what's what's funny is blended teams when you haven't segmented. So you can't say this is the Kafka team, you know, when it's a blended team, then it's hard they to just pin do down where the effort yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. So you might be like, Well, I've kind of got this it's hard to then pinpoint 
where it isn't efficient. Yeah. Because then it'd be like, well, you know, the cost of transitioning is going to be all this effort, and what's the point? Because we're going to do it, and then it's the same. It's Kafka, or it's just the cloud managed service anyway. Yeah. But it's the same team size, as in like, because you can't really work out effort necessarily on how much time and energy is going on it. And then the illusion might be that not much time and energy goes in it anyway, or whatever people. Yeah, exactly. Can just because there's always that. a narrative that you can put over it. That oh, it's normally recency bias, isn't it? Yeah, it's like true. they haven't done anything on it that week. Yeah. It feels like to them, we're not, we don't spend any time spend on this. Because yeah. <laughs> you're like, so I don't true. think we spent much time on it this week. Yeah. And then you know, someone asks, like, how much time do you think you spent? Oh, like, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like you can't really recall yeah, yeah, yeah. everything in the, in the moment. So you tend to have like a bias, don't you, on where you mm. feel the effort's going week Very by true. week. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think those are like common things. You probably have to work it all out. Mm. Like how much the cost is of this thing, how much time and energy is going into it, what's the risk. And then can you just get rid of it? And then does that, I guess, is that cost giving you ongoing value? Mm. Ongoing, yeah, consistent value, yeah. Mm. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, no, That's it. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> uh, John says, if you have a team of 200 developers, 40 platform just engineers minimum, is what you need. Minimum 40. 40. <laughs> minimum numbers. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and I tell um, them that I've like, I don't work for anyone no. who doesn't have a minimum of 40 <laughs> platform engineers. And if you want if help you scaling, me, then John, then yeah, exactly. You want someone to bus, manage those 40 people. And then a bus arrives <laughs> with 40 engineers on it and I pull up, the door's open, you all, yeah. we all come out. Nice. Yeah, and we start doing all stuff like, right, let's do some platform engineering, let's go, and that's it. That's how it works. Do you need like a platform engineering union yeah. at that stage yeah, yeah, when, the, when it's so big? Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. You'll see the buses go around the estates picking people up. <laughs> Before. The estates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where are you hiring these people from? Because <laughs> we house them. We house them. Oh, right, you right. need them all. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's you, a campus. Yeah, it's a, it's camp a campus. You need them ready to go. Yeah. Nice. It's oh, a minimum, wow. minimum requirement. Yeah. Forty. Yeah. You can't just get forty like that. It's not just you build it. You run it. You're now live in it too. It's a exactly. campus. Yeah. I'm not that good. I'm like yeah. magic forty. I've got right. to have them on a campus ready to and, go. And <laughs> Never know. Are they all like breeding and creating more platform engineers? Yeah. That works. Oh, this little go quite as weird and okay. Cool. You know, it's not a, a laboratory. Cult. It feels like, like a cult. You've created a platform engineering cult in your business. Well, you yeah. know, some people might call Are it. Are you the cult. leader? Some people just call it, you know, driving outcomes. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> depends on your perspective, Jay. Love just depends it. on your perspective. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. To be fair, I think we kind of covered what the cult does. No, is it like the the people? How people get into those traps of? Yeah, it's huge, huge yeah. teams. I think what is hard though is making teams efficient and you know moving skills or 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 people around into delivering business value in in different areas is really tough like Mm. managing and having a critical eye on the value that those business units are delivering and doing something about it is really hard because it means that you know there's potential risk of jobs there's or skills that you might be able to find in the market of what you now need versus what you had at the time like you could definitely see why those things happen and why because they've ha- happened the problem just kind of exacerbates and it just like snowballs a little bit because people hire people and there's like you replace people once they're gone or whatever else yeah. rather than sort of like naturally you know let it churn down or because you're not d- dealing with sort of interesting problems for those platform engineers to to then fix or whatever does that yeah make sense? it does make sense i think though it depends like 
maybe there's I don't know whether I'm just being biased but like now you could say like we were talking before weren't we about like bull, bullish markets bearish mm. markets things like that right so I guess now it's kind of clearly bearish yeah, right? exactly. so people are laying people off people are optimizing so I think conditions market conditions sometimes kind of change behaviors mm. and people are maybe more open-minded to it to it uh, you know like feels like things are going to happen we might think like innovation like you get people in and it's going to be innovative and you know there's a buzz and so there could be a bit of a fallacy on it bringing value because you're not worrying too much about the bottom line at that point in time is this like weird tech optimism that happened like during covid this yeah it's a bit off topic but it's interesting. So during COVID, there was this real sort of tech optimism that happened, I'd say, right? Like 2020, 2021, all of this tech, you know, people were getting Pelotons and, you know, Netflix, the number of people watching Netflix Amazon. and all of the Amazon and all, all of these things just grew a ridiculous amount because people had time and they, you know, they were sitting ducks. So all they did was consume, consume yeah. tech, consume, consume, consume. Yeah. And obviously all of the... You couldn't do anything else. You couldn't do anything else. You won't get fat, (laughs) watch TV. Yeah, exactly. Which is radical if you think about it now. Like you weren't allowed to even... Nuts. Go anywhere. More than, what is it, two kilometers from your house or something like that? Yeah, there was even like a radius span of like how far you're allowed to go. And then like how, when you're supposed to exercise. Exactly. Unless you were like going to a fort to check your eyesight and things like that. That's fine. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so all, all of those, like that tech optimism that happened and all of these companies like decided to see those signals as, oh, this is just the world that we live in now and it's just going to exponentially grow. Yeah. And so they had to obviously, you know, hire people. And now obviously that has come to a head a little bit because people are sort of back to their normal, not quite normal life. Nothing's back to normal after COVID, but at least that demand has been subdued to some degree. And so that tech optimism has died down a little bit. And now the market is reacting, right? There's yeah. letting people go and other things are happening in the market to, to sort of put a lens on it where it's like opportunity, reality, and what it actually takes for the team to, to deliver on that, the smaller opportunity that there is. Yeah. It's just got to be more creative when the conditions, it's like anything, yeah. isn't it? It's like food, like some of the best foods came out of like the conditions that, of yeah. the scarcity of food, exactly. right? And yeah. what you had to use to make something tasty based on very little things. Yeah. And it's the same, isn't it? It's like the same principles that when you're constrained and the parameters are so constrained, you've got to be more creative yep. on how you're actually going to deliver on that problem to the business. And that's really what innovation is at the end of the day. I suppose it's how much you are allowed to do it yourself mm. or how much you now need to lean on the materials around you to achieve the outcome and i think it's just a slight shift where you know if the conditions are pretty generous then might, people might see the problems and just solve them whether there's a good alternative whether there's something on the market whether you know it was the right thing or the wrong thing like i suppose people will just do it because it's the easiest obvious path mm. But then the conditions shift, and it's like, no, you can't do that. Actually, these are now the parameters. I, yeah, but so. kind of like you said there, as soon as you put some parameters over it, it feels like that's the greater potential for value. 
definitely or, the potential for more probability of innovation. Yeah, yeah innovation. You've got to rethink the problem exactly. of how you might have thought about solving way. it. Yeah, and the easiest and most common way that people solve problems in this space is by throwing people, people at it. Yeah, always it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah people always yeah. throw people at a problem. Yeah. Just Boom, yeah. here's a problem, yeah. here's a person, take it, take yeah. the person. <laughs> it feels faster. Do you, did you throw all of those 40 people at the problem? <laughs> Is that how it works? We've got cannons. Yeah, all oh, right, cool, yeah. nice. Yeah. You weren't just doing like, you know, shot puts. Yeah. No, no, it's cannons, uh, cool, cool, cool. depending nice. on the range. Yeah, fair. Buses if they're nearby, <laughs> cannons if they're quite far. We shoot shoot the platform engineers out. I think we're going to have to take that snippet <laughs> just to shoot the platform. <laughs> I can't be sued. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay, I think so. Anyway, I guess what we're saying is there's legitimate reasons if at you're, the beginning that so, why, why these things happen, but they're probably not justified unless they're really unique set of circumstances where the business is generally making money from those things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But otherwise, evaluate, people should be evaluating. And you think, like, even, what did you say, like 10 10 people to 200 is still quite high. 5% feels too, yeah. too high, yeah. So, which is, yeah, I would probably agree. You could probably get that number down if Definitely. you were to like lean on alternative ways to deliver. Yeah. So, yeah, but then at the same time, it's easy to fall into the trap, I think was the, kind of the point of throwing people at problems because it feels like the, quack, the fastest route. Well, the parameters are changed. The fastest because you don't have to think about the problem then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not Obviously, really the fastest. Like, oh, it's not the fastest route to the solving the problem. No, it's, it's not. the fastest route to offloading the problem. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels like the fastest route. Yeah. Selfishly. Now I've hired, yeah, I've hired yeah. a team to do it. Just, just give them. Some I can time. tell people that. Well, exactly. You're yeah. like, what's going on with that thing? Well, well I've, hired a team. I've, yeah. I've interviewed four people exactly. and blah blah blah. Like that's an, that's another way to show progress. Yeah, it's nuts though. It's not yeah. progress. That's just like a thing progress. that you did. Progress, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we okay. really need to change uh, the way that we update on progress. <laughs> so five oh, more I did hires. The thing. Great, are that, nice. We're nice. progressing <laughs> really nicely like, <laughs> on this. It's uh, not the outcome. But I guess that's the problem. If everyone assumes that people are the solution. Mm. then you probably will be under the guise that you will like, believe that hiring's also part of solving the problem. So you might look at it and be like, optimistically, be like, great, finally, we've got five new people joining. We can actually get something done. <laughs> I don't, people probably, but I'm sure people will probably think that way. Do you reckon in the future, this is going to be, again, quite off topic, but do you reckon in the future there will be like entire businesses that have no one in them? not even an operational cost. So for example, like you go in, you set up a business as a one-time thing, do all of the automation, set all of the things up, let's say a, a, a shop that runs itself with AI and all of this kind of stuff. And then you yourself, even as a CEO of the company or whatever, you exit that business and just let it run operationally. Do you know what I mean? So it has zero people. That could happen, couldn't it? With all the tech... An innovation I mean, that has happened nowadays it's like it'd we're be, getting closer and closer to just like excellence i mean i have a theory that it it will probably be able to happen mm, but it won't but it won't because consumption's based on people being employed and having money so there's always going to be a cap right like capitalism you mean yeah. yeah because if you don't have people buying things because they don't have money to buy anything then there's a ceiling of like wh how much money there even is in the economy at that point mm. So 
for you to then not have any employees ever means that these people aren't employed, which then means those people. No, just that there there will be businesses of that type, and there will be. But there'll be everybody who'd want that. That's the problem. Yeah, it's true. Because it's like the most operationally efficient. Yeah, (laughs) as in like in terms of cost. But but then you know, capability will obviously factor in. So it might be some people might be capable of creating those kind of utopian companies that have has no employees and then there might be the the norm might still be like heavy employee footprint solving problems that have already been solved in different ways because people still feel like solving problems through resources yeah so because it's a spectrum and there's many spectrums it's not just like operational efficiency it might be like lifestyle choice and you want to work with people and all, all the other factors that there are like we think of things as as, as just one lens because obviously we're tech and operationally focused but there's so many reasons to yeah but the business drivers if you could drop costs mm-hmm. you know by outsourcing a load of things to something that does it They'll have a cost, they'll have an operational yeah, yeah. cost, but the operational cost isn't people. Yeah. It's like a service. Exactly, yeah. Then, and that service... It'll be usage, is, persum- consumption, API cost or whatever. People, yeah, exactly. Then obviously, there'll be, it'll be a hard sell mm. to justify. The, basically, this conversation we've literally just had under the lens of something else, Yeah, it would be hard to justify why... To you a would never have people. Yeah. Why you would go for the, for like the least cost-effective yeah. route and why it's better for the business. Yeah, totally. So, but at the same time, you can't have people unemployed because then there's no money in the economy because there isn't much money. You see, I mean, at some point yeah. it becomes a ceiling. There's a yeah. ceiling to everything. You can only have so many of those companies in the world. Right? Yeah, before yeah. it's yeah. problematic. Yeah. I don't believe we'll ever people, it's going to go that far because I don't think it can. So when people are like catastrophize on being like, oh my God, there's going to be robots everywhere. We're going to be all out of jobs. And, you know, da-da-da. I think there'll be an element of where that'll start. But obviously then it hits ceilings. So, or it doesn't, and everyone, uh, you know, has universal basic income. All of the things we're all taken care of. We're all unemployed. You have, you all have enough money to exist and thrive. You know, potentially even thrive really? to a certain degree. I mean, look, we're just making things up here, right? So why not? So, oh yeah, yeah, in the utopian world. Yeah, utopian yeah, world. Yeah. yeah, the world isn't like dying. There's no climate change. Like all of those things have stopped yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. Fun. All right. So if anything, the takeaway from this episode is let's strive to have a no person company and <laughs> not build platforms. Yeah. I think that was literally the takeaway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So positive vibes. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Go. Cool. Um, as always, if you have any questions, comments, please reach us at hello at cloudunplugged.io or find us on Twitter. Yeah. And LinkedIn. Cheers. Bye. Bye.